In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today we're recording the sermon because we've started some outdoor liturgies at St. Basil's. These limited liturgies are only for a small number of our congregation, so we will also be recording the Sunday readings and the sermon so that all can remain engaged with the seasons of the church. So God bless everyone, and hopefully we can see everyone face-to-face soon. Today's gospel reading is from Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 19. Then he began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they may give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent another servant, and they beat him also, treating him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. Then he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. And glory be to God forever. Amen. So this is the first Sunday of Mesor, and today's gospel reading relates to the parable of the wicked vine dressers. The parables mentioned in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew chapter 21 verses 33 through 45 and Mark chapter 12 verses 1 through 11 and also today's reading Luke chapter 20 verses 9 through 19. It's also mentioned in a Gnostic gospel called uh, the Gospel of Thomas. This is a second century writing but it's heretical and not part of scripture. However it is old and it does um, show that the inclusion of this parable uh, that it's an important parable. Uh, Christ often spoke in parables to the people because parables have a lot of benefit. They compel or induce interest. It stimulates inquiry and questions. It's a means of attraction, attracting attention. It stirs curiosity and reflection. They all, they all allow and enable man to discover the truth for himself. To prevent his uh, hearers from being repelled by too sudden of, of a revelation. So if it's like too sudden, they may reject it. But if they think it through and come to that conclusion themselves by the parable, then it, it lasts longer and it allows it to enter into the minds and hearts of the hearer. Another benefit of parables is that they conceal the truth from those who are either too lazy or too blinded by prejudice to see the true intent or the true purpose or the, the heart of the message of the parable. So it tests the characters of the hearers of the parable. Uh, the truth thus goes to those who have ears to hear, as Christ says. 
But contrary to this, when someone labors to understand the meaning and finally finds it, the message has greater impact. It makes the lesson of great value to that person. It's like when you buy a piece of furniture and assemble it yourself, it has greater value uh, than if you just buy that uh, piece of furniture directly already assembled from the store. So parables are like a hidden treasure that when we dig it up and find it, it, it becomes very, uh, very valuable to us. Fourthly, it also helps to remember the lesson. It's easier to remember the details of a parable um, and its stories than the message itself. Once comprehended, we can easily remember the truth behind the allegory of the parable. So we do this with our kids when we want to teach them a lesson, right? Like the boy who cried wolf and the monkey who jumped on the bed. We remind them of these stories and, and they grasp the meaning of that story immediately. Uh, even though they might have forget, forgot the message originally. And finally, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? The word parable or paraboloni, um, paraboline in Greek uh, means comparison. So it compares heavenly things with earthly things. So it benchmarks from something we're familiar with in this earthly and worldly uh, experiences that we have and points to something uh, new and and something um, heavenly, right? Something that may not have been visible before. So something, the visible world is there to help us understand the invisible spiritual truths that exist. So our Lord in his approximately 30 uh, parables that he uses, uses everyday events, objects, uh, human systems that everyone's familiar with to point their attention to the heavenly truths. So many writings become outdated, but Christ's parables seem to echo through the ages and are still so very applicable to us. So returning to today's parable and to summarize today's parable of the wicked vine dressers, a certain man planted a vineyard. After planting it, he leased it to vine dressers to take care of it, and then he traveled to a far country for a long time. He sent servants three times to collect the fruit, but the wicked vine dressers treated them very badly, beating them, ridiculing them, treating them shamefully, and wounding them. Then he sent his son, expecting that of course they would respect him. Instead, they kill his son in an attempt to steal the vineyard from the owner. The story goes on emphasizing certain expectations of wrath to come on the vine dressers, that they would be destroyed and that the vineyard would be given to others. The Pharisees in the Gospel of Matthew, for example, agree that this is indeed the expected response of the owner of the vineyard. They understood it, and they understood it was about them. In Luke's Gospel, today's reading, they say, certainly not, as if, no, that could not happen to us. So this parable can be used to sum up a brief history of the children of Israel and also provide great benefit to our own spiritual life. So let's look at the elements of this great parable together. The man who planted the vineyard is, of course, God himself, who planted the house of Israel in its area. Uh, Psalm uh, chapter 80, verses 8 and 9 says, You have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. You prepared room for it and caused it to take deep root, and it filled the land. In Isaiah chapter 5, My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. After he planted the vineyard, he therefore went into a far country for a long time. 
God freed the Israelites from Egypt by a strong, uh, a strong hand, right? Miracles and signs and wonders. He's, he was present with them every step of the way and was very visible to them in the plagues and the miracles and the parting of the Red Sea, the pillar of fire and smoke, his descent upon Mount Sinai uh, with fire to give them the law. He afterward, till Christ, did not appear to them in such an intimate and visible manner. It wasn't only until Christ came that they had that intimacy with all these miracles again. Uh, so it was, uh, if he was on that journey to a far country for a long time, right? There was that gap. Um, however, he was also mindful of, the, uh, mindful of the vineyard, right? During this gap, he was always visiting them with uh, his servants, his holy prophets at various times to collect obedience, holiness, oneness with the creator who planted them. And if you read the Old Testament, we, we see that it was rare when he did find, for example, a good king, right? Or, or that the people were following uh, the, um, the, the advice of the prophets and the judges and so on. So just like the owner of the vineyard sent servants to collect fruits, God sent prophets and people, holy men of the old time, to uh, judge the people. Uh, he sent judges, the royal kingdom, the exile and return. He was there present with them through uh, various holy men of the time. Each time the prophets found apostasy, idol worship, wickedness, right? And the prophets were persecuted. Every time they were sent, they were sent away they were sent back empty-handed. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And Jeremiah says, To whom shall I speak and give warning? They cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. So the owner of the vineyard is faced with a dilemma and says, What shall I do? He could send more servants, but the same result would likely happen again. So he elevates the matter by sending someone of more esteem, right? And we know who that is. More esteem and dignity than the servants, his only son and the heir of the vineyard. But the wicked vine dressers kill the son outside the vineyard in the scheme, in a very wicked scheme to take over the vineyard. They thought it was theirs. They thought that the kingdom was theirs. That they, they thought that the kingdom of Israel was theirs. Look at it. Um, we look at it in kind of an amazement, right? When we look back and we read this. How in the world did the vine dressers think that the vineyard was theirs and that they could steal it from the owner by rejecting the messages sent to them? It's absurd when you really think about it. But Christ, the wisdom of the Father, comes in the flesh to be visible once more to humanity and to the vine dressers in the vineyard. And the Pharisees, um, you know, and the rulers of the synagogues handed him over to the Romans to be crucified uh, outside of Jerusalem. So just like the parable uh, foreshadowed that they would take him outside of Jerusalem and have him crucified there. And the Romans did that. It was a scheme to preserve their control of the vineyard or their country, because after the rising of Lazarus from the dead, which we read last week, they said, if we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation, as it says in John chapter 11, verse 48. So God followed through and gave the responsibility for managing the vineyard to others, namely the apostles and those who would come after them. <clears throat> and not just of Jewish blood, but all, also of all peoples, in all places, and in all times, and in all cultures. This was, of course, prophesied about in many places in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 61, for example, says, 
Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigners shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. What amazing vine dressers we have in our Coptic Orthodox Church history, right? The martyrs, the church fathers and mothers, the monastic leaders, the leaders of the church councils, um, the theological fathers that we had, the evangelists. They tended the vineyard in faithfulness and were still eating of the fruit of their labors even till today. They became teachers, instructors, witnesses, evangelists, prophets, confessors, martyrs, planting the seeds of holiness inspiration and encouragement in the hearts of the believers throughout the world by the work of course of the holy spirit these seeds have grown and we reap the benefits and the fruits of even today by god working with them they gave us the bible the liturgy the sacraments the creed etc and many stand today with vines full of fruit because of the labors of these faithful vine dressers that have come before us even contemporary leaders like pope carolus the wonder worker, right? The sixth, um, and Pope Shenouda and all of those who they appointed who are still overseeing us today. They did a good job and are doing a good job with the vineyard and thank God for that, that the Holy Spirit is still active. But besides this parable summarizing the history of Israel, it also has significance to us on a personal level. And this, this is the lesson that we want to really absorb today. We too have been entrusted with many vineyards to take care of. The world we live in is a vineyard, our homes, our city, our job, and even our own selves. Our families are vineyards that we must tend to faithfully. Are we raising our vineyard at home correctly? Is our vineyard growing in deeper relationship with our Lord? For example, a relevant story for us at St. Basil's is the story and example of St. Macrina, who, after her parents died, she raised her three little brothers, Two of them became patriarchs and the third a bishop. One of them was, of course, St. Basil. St. Basil was her little brother, one of the little brothers. Our church is a vineyard that we must tend as well. During the Anaphora prayer, the congregation sometimes sings a very beautiful hymn, which has the following words. O Lord God of hosts, return and behold from heaven and look and visit this vine. Restore and establish her this which your right hand has planted. Of course, speaking of the church. The Lord is the owner of the church. He planted it like a vineyard and makes us all vine dressers because service is a responsibility of everyone, not just the priests or the deacons or the Sunday school servants or maybe even a handful of servants, but to everyone who's in the church. We're all responsible ser serving to whatever capacity we have, and God always accepts even the smallest of services. So uh, be mindful that, you know, that we should uh, consider what is our role in the service in the church. And it can be the smallest of things, but we should be grafted into the church through service. So are we offering fruits to the owner of this vineyard, the church? Are we laboring in this vineyard to reap salvation to all who are around us and a true relationship with God? Is that what we're planting? That's a question for all of us to answer. We have also an interior vineyard that has been leased to us, and we must tend to it very faithfully. Are we raising this interior vineyard in a healthy manner, this inner world? Can we offer fruits to the owner of the vineyard, and are we turning him or are we turning him away empty-handed? Um, are we bringing ourselves closer to him as we progress in the spiritual path, or is it even relevant to us? These, these are questions that we need to answer when we're alone, right? 
Do we have the fruits of repentance, of faith, and other good works of holiness? Or are, is there room for repentance? And so that we can tend to the, to, the, uh, to the vineyard and maybe take out those weeds that are choking the vineyard. These are the vineyards that we are all responsible for. They have been entrusted to us for a very small period of time. We read this story in today's gospel, and indeed it's speaking of the Pharisees and the rulers of the synagogue of the time. But let's not be too quick to judge. Maybe we need to look at our own vineyards. Do we unjustly, for example, think that the vineyards that have been entrusted to us belong to us like those in the story? He gives us honor of being vine dressers because he loves us deeply, but he honors us with a leasing, as it were, of the things that we possess, right? Are we trying to steal these vineyards that, that does not belong to us and calling them our own? For example, the children that we, uh, that we have, they are not our own. They belong to God and they're being, as it were, leased to us so that we can raise this vineyard. And there will be a time when we're going to be asked to give fruit and to give accountability to how we're raising our children in a spirit of holiness, raising them right, um, creating an environment for them that is pure so that they can be fostered uh, in a right manner and grow uh, to be healthy and strong, right? The family is our vineyard, the job, the money, the the properties that we may own, the the home that we live in. Our very existence is not ours. Everything belongs to God and he's given it to us for a time to uh, bless us, but to also to help grow the kingdom of God. All belongs to God and he's leased it to us for a time, but that time will have an end and the time will come when all of these things will be taken away, all of it. Yet we often insist sometimes that these things are ours and we cling to them as if they're ours, right? We may have worked hard, we believe it's ours, but we forget that it was God that blessed us from the very beginning uh, with all of these things. So do we reject the messages that are sent to us like the Pharisees did, right? And like the, pro like the people did with the prophets of old. Um, do we reject the message that, messages that are sent to us like those in today's parable? God sends us lots of messages, right? Do we reject the holy ones that God sends? Do we have the Bible somewhere in the house collecting dust? Or do we cherish the messages uh, being delivered to us daily in the Bible? Do we rebel when something negative comes our way? Because this, neg this negative event uh, could be a message to remind us to awaken our souls, to seek him, or are we sensitive enough to get the message and return? Uh, let's not rebel when something happens like this. Let's pause and come back to God quickly. He sends us plenty of messages, right? Some friendly and gentle and some not so much, but all with the aim of growing and collecting the fruit of the vineyard so that we're not empty handed at the day of reckoning and judgment. So when it appears that God is in a far country and for a long time, like in today's story, do we doubt his love? or even his existence, or do we recognize that it's because he is offering us time, time to repent, time, of course, to come back to him. He can, of course, come quicker. And would that be to our benefit? But he often delays for his mercy and love's sake, offering us time to grow and offering others time to grow and repent. The, um, and so that it allows that vineyard to grow healthy and to help others grow in it and collect its fruit in the end. Because the vineyards are entrusted to us for a very short period of time. And after a blink of an eye, 
that time will end, and all will be taken away, and only the fruit will remain, faith, hope, love, and service to God and his people. And we will be asked, of course, for the fruit of the vineyard, the vineyards that have been entrusted to us for a very short time. So may God's mercy and love grant us strength from on high to be good stewards of the graces and the gifts and the benefits that he's given us to offer fruits of a healthy life to the glory of his name forever. Amen.